I'm Tanner Olson, and this is the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Here we talk about hope and heaviness, creating and continuing, joy and sorrow, life and God, questions and answers, and everything in between. This is a podcast where you are invited to slow down, to lean in, to hold fast, and to eventually, well, to eventually keep going. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Thank you so much for being here. On today's episode, I'm talking with poet and pastor and author, Drew Jackson. He is the author of God Speaks Through Wombs, Poems on God's Unexpected Coming, and his latest collection titled Touch the Earth, Poems on the Way. We talk a lot about Touch the Earth on this episode. Drew, he reads some of his own poetry from the book, and I got to tell you, they are fantastic. It's a really good. I think I say like five times during the during the conversation, like, dude, this this is a really good book, and it is a really good book. And if you're looking for a new collection of poetry to read through, to be um, to be challenged by, to be filled with hope by, uh, you can check out the show notes. I have links to both of his books. Um, but Touch the Earth is the one that we're going to be talking about a lot on this episode. A little bit about Drew. He lives in New York City with his wife and daughters. And as we talked about before I clicked record, I'm sorry you missed out on this, but Drew is a big Philadelphia 76ers fan. So we talked a little NBA before I pressed record. So I'm so sorry that you had to miss that. I know many of you are just so upset about that. Anyways, that's the introduction for the podcast. Thank you for being here. Make sure to subscribe and rate and review the show if you want. This is a no pressure place. Anyways, with that here is episode 51 of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Yeah, it's such a good question. Um, it, it, it's been changing, you know, um, because it used to just be squarely, you know, I, I pastor, I'm a pastor. And mm-hmm. so it was very, that was very easy. It was very straightforward. I think with the emergence of poetry and writing in my life, um, it's, you know, it took, and I, I don't know how this was for you, but it took us, it took a little while for me to say, I'm a poet. <laughs> I'm a writer. And to to just claim that as part of my identity, mm-hmm. be part of my vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've gotten more more comfortable saying that. Um, I don't know if that is, you know, has come with like having poetry books out in the world. Um, but I think also it's it's become this thing where like now more people actually know me as like writer, poet poet than mm-hmm. pastor. So, yeah. so yeah, I think that that has become, you know, just something I've just owned that way. So I, you know, I've grown comfortable in saying that, but I think even more broadly speaking, if we, if we like get into conversation, then, um, you know, I, I just, I just love to, to talk about how, like, I have, like, my heart is to really, you know, connect help help people connect to the divine right and connect to this bigger more transcendent purpose of of 
engaging in the work of of love and justice in the world mm-hmm. you know yeah so, yeah well, and you certainly do that in, in your books uh let me ask you this question have you ever found yourself in a conversation with somebody and they ask what you do and your answers are all right i'm a pastor i'm a church worker and i'm a mm-hmm. poet and you just don't know which one to give because you don't want to put yourself into that conversation because i've been i've been there where i've been like it was actually in philadelphia i was in line to get a cheesesteak i don't know where but it was one of the places that the internet told us to go to and this guy was like hey man what do you do and at the time i worked at a church but i was yeah. also i'm also you know a, a poet and i was like man i don't am i going to get into this right now so i was just so i went with i went with poet not that i'm ashamed of my faith not uh-huh. that i'm ashamed of jesus yeah. i was in line to get a cheesesteak and i was hangry and i was like well, i'm a poet and the guy didn't like acknowledge that he basically was just like, well, you know what you should, you know what you should write. You should write political poetry. And I was like, this, conver- <laughs> this conversation's over. But it was always, it was always weird when I worked at a church and as a poet as to like, what do I, what do I tell somebody? Cause those conversations go in very different directions, yeah. but you know, to, to kind of speak for, for both of us here, if I, if I may, it's, we're still doing the same thing with mm-hmm. poetry. It's still like inviting people to, to see that they are known and loved and cared for. Absolutely. And that's really the work as, you know, as a church worker, as a, as a pastor, as a, as a worship leader, whatever it is that you you, you can do, it's to invite people to know that they are loved and seen and, and forgiven. So for you, how did, how did the whole poetry thing begin? It's always mm-hmm. like, a, it's, it's different for everybody, but I think like, I remember when I heard stories of people of how, how they got into something new, it kind of gave me the courage to try something different. I know that we have listeners who are like, I, 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 maybe one day I'll be a a writer or I'll be a painter. Mm -hmm. I'll be this, but like, how did you just like, how did you begin? Yeah. So I, I I really like my love for words. I would say Mm -hmm. it really started when I was young, but it was, it started through being introduced to hip hop. Right. So I'm yeah. the youngest of four boys and my older brothers uh, just they used to listen to hip hop all the time. And so like my oldest brother's 10 years older than me. I can remember riding in the, the backseat of his car. He's older. He's cool. You know what I mean? All of those yeah. sorts of things. And and I'm just hearing and I always say there's two types of hip hop listeners is those who are first drawn to the beat. And then there mm-hmm. are those who are drawn to the lyrics. And I was always drawn to to lyrics and words and how they're fitting together to make different sounds and to say different things with only a few words. And what I didn't realize was that it, I, I I loved poetry is what it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I didn't really start writing poet, poetry in the form I'm writing now until, um, you know, much more recently. Like I, so I started writing hip hop lyrics when I was in college. That mm-hmm. was sort of my first experimentation with kind of putting words together when I got into my 20s, I, I stopped doing that. And all my writing ended up being sermon writing. Yeah. Um, it was all it was all sermons. Um, but someone pointed out to me that, you know, even in my sermons, there was so much poetry that was coming through and just how the words were being crafted that I so I'm like, I guess this is just in me. So it wasn't really until the pandemic that I started writing poetry mm-hmm. in the way that I'm writing now. And um I really needed something, I think, to kind of ground me, like a spiritual practice to ground me uh, that was something that that was was spacious enough to hold the questions that I had in that in that moment, you know, Um, and, you know, poetry. I'll be curious to hear how you would talk about this, but I always find poetry to be something that's not 
so much concerned with providing a bunch of answers as it is in inviting us more deeply into questions, Mm -hmm. you know, um, to wrestle with them, to sit with them, to linger with them. And so um, that's what poetry became for me. It was a spacious place for me to sit with all of the questions, to bring them before God. Um, And uh, both questions of obviously the stuff that was going on in the world with the pandemic and with, you know, racial injustice and racial violence and, but also all all of how that was impacting my own soul, my internal emotional landscape, what it meant for me to be a husband and a father in a tiny New York City apartment, couldn't go outside, had twin twin five-year-old girls at the time, you know, like all of these sorts of things. It's like, I need some sort of practice to be able to engage all of that. And poetry was that, both reading a lot of poetry and writing a lot of poetry. It's It's a great way. And I don't want to say it's not a great place to escape, but it's a great place to to lean in. Like poetry is a great place mm-hmm. for us just to like kind of drop everything, lean in. And the thing that I love about poetry is it really doesn't ask anything of you. It's yeah. not like, it's not like math where it's like, we're going to get to an answer. It's mm-hmm. not like science where there's this, you know, these things that people have learned and equations and all this kind of, you know, school stuff, which I'm not really mm-hmm. into, but like what poetry does is it kind of just like pulls the chair out a little bit and says, you can think right here. Yeah. You know, and for us as as poets and as me as a human, like I don't have a lot of answers. I know like <laughs> three or four things that I am very, very certain about. Yeah. Like I know that that Jesus loves me. I know that yeah. Jesus died and rose again. Mm-hmm. And I know that hope is real. And I know that the Orlando Magic are going to win a championship. Maybe <laughs> someday, maybe while I'm maybe <laughs> while I'm alive. Those are the like, four. you know, there's not a lot. And so poetry is just like invites you to wrestle, but it also invites you to rest. And even in that just like asking questions yeah that in itself almost feels like an answer right like i don't necessarily need the answer i just need to ask my questions and to have a place to do that absolutely absolutely i mean i i and and one thing i've been thinking about lately in terms of you know what poetry does is that if it asks if it asks anything of us i think poetry is asking us to to pay attention Mm -hmm. to, to you know and whatever that whatever that means, however that shows up. But there's an invitation always that poetry gives toward attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, I know I, I love what uh, the poet Mary Oliver says when she says, I, I don't know what a prayer is. I know how to pay attention, right? And there's, mm-hmm. there's just that that act of, of slowing down, paying attention to what's going on in my internal landscape, what's going on in the space between myself and another person, what might be going on in, um, I don't know, the, the smallest little thing uh, that in any other sense, any other case, we might just pass over quickly. But poetry yeah. says, slow down and see the little thing. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I love about it. And, you know, as, as a pastor, like when you read through the Gospels, like Jesus, maybe he wasn't a maybe he wasn't a poet but he yeah. definitely lived like he was one as, in his interactions and in his conversations. Yeah. And, you know, kind of going back to what you said, like, you know, your sermons, I'm sure you get the comment and the feedback, like, you know, was that whole thing a poem? Was that just like <laughs> one long poem? Like, yeah. especially after like, when I like, when I'll do like poetry events or poetry shows, like, you know, be like, all right, here's a poem. And then that finishes and I'll talk between it. And some people are like, 
was that also a poem? And I was like, no, no, that was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a transition. This is yeah. a transition, right? But like when I, when I read through the gospels, like it's almost as if Jesus, the way that we're talking about poetry kind of is personified in the way that Jesus reacts and responds to other people, creating yeah. a space, inviting people to ask questions. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I love about your books is that it's, it's, it's paired with scripture. Like you walk your, 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 your first two books, first mm-hmm. two books, yeah. right? Uh, so your first one, God speaks through rooms, and then your latest one, touch the earth. It walks through the book of Luke, right? So mm-hmm. this touch the earth is what Luke nine through Luke twenty four, and yeah. you just kind of like, I mean, you just write through right. it, and it's at, there's like um, there's social commentary that's written mm-hmm. through it. There's like reflections of the gospel and of the truth. Yeah. Um, and there's also like, I mean, my favorite part, there's a lot of favorite parts of the book because uh, it's like scripture, a quote of some sort, and then a poem. And mm-hmm. I love, I love all the quotes. The quotes are like, <laughs> I'm like, they put Tupac in this book. This is amazing. <laughs> He's got Lupe Fiasco. And yeah. uh, was there's like Richard Rohr in there and Rosa Parks. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, I just, I could spend a lot of time with this book, which is what poetry books invite you to do is like, Hey, like you're going to spend a lot of time with this book, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, so what was the, what was the writing process like with, well, with touch the earth, but also, I mean, it can't, it's your second book. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot has changed. And like you said, uh, and I'm just rambling now, but you started writing during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. which was a very heavy, heavy time and a heavy time to start writing poetry. So do you Mm -hmm. think that like, you know, 2020, 2021 really kind of shaped you as a writer and how you approach the paper? Yeah, I think, I think in a lot of ways it did. Um, You know, especially in these, these first two projects, right? Which for me, it's one project, you know, Mm -hmm. it's two books, but it's it's really one project. Um, And yeah, there was just, like I said, there was a lot, a lot of things that I'm, that I'm, you know, processing at once at the same time. And like, you know, just trying to figure out how to navigate, you know, through, through all of it. And so, um, you know, writing each of those poems was for me, um, you know, I wanted to bring my full self into conversation with the text. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know, I, you know, as someone who's been, you know, I, I've grown up in a, a lot of spaces, particularly in like white evangelical spaces that have often mm-hmm. told me that, you know, when I come to the text to do, you know, interpretive work that I have to sort of check at the door, my identity, right, as part of who I am, my blackness mm-hmm. and all of those things. And I, you know, when I was, when I was writing this, I was like, you know, I just want to bring my full self into conversation with the text, with the people in the text, um, because I need to, um, I need to be able to have real conversation, you know? And so, Mm uh, that's, that's sort of kind of how these, these poems began to emerge for me was just to bring my full self, including my imagination and Mm -hmm. just say, um, I want to see how this is going to unfold on the page. Uh, And um, so I would usually come to a particular uh, portion in the text. And maybe it was, I wasn't trying to write like a commentary on. Right. Yeah. But it was more so 
I would come to a verse or, or a collection of verses and just say, okay, what, what is rising to the surface? What's happening mm-hmm. in me? Um, how do I pay attention to that? And so maybe it was one word that stopped me, or maybe it was a particular phrase or whatever it was. And then I would just let the poem sort of emerge however it wanted to emerge out of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, like I said, it's, it's a wonderful book. I, I want to read uh, one of the early pages from this book. It's called, uh, the, the title of the poem is called Leftovers. Mm-hmm. And it's a reflection of Luke 19. And if I was doing my homework before this, I would have had that pulled up and uh, would have uh, been able to read it. But I'm going to do that right now. It's from Luke nine seventeen is what it's about. And that verse is, um, and they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces and the poem. Oh, it's so good. Called leftovers. You mind if I read it? Can I butcher it for yeah, you? Go ahead. Is that go fine? Ahead. All right. It'll be, it'll be because... my first time hearing somebody else read this one. So I, yeah. Oh, it's, it's always weird and they always do it wrong. So I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be wrong. It goes like this. Never show up to the cookout or slide to the fish fry without some Tupperware in hand. You won't want to miss the blessing of these leftovers for days on end. The best hosts always provide take-home containers. Take as much as you want, child. There's plenty to go around. It's just so good. <laughs> I just you. When I read that, I had, uh, and I'm a very emotional human being, but I had even those that last line, like, take as much as you want, child. There's plenty to go around. Just like chills up and down my body. So, and, and you and I, obviously, very different people, very yeah. different backgrounds, very different teams that we follow in the NBA. But this, like, <laughs> for you writing this, like, I can put myself in this poem. I can hear my grandma say those words. Mm-hmm. And I know that you can hear your grandma, you know, yes. or your aunt, someone yeah. say those words to you. Like, what was your thought process as you were writing this one? Yeah. Um, so this is the the feeding of the 5,000. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, just the, when I read, when I was reading that verse and it was just uh, talking about how there's plenty left over, there was more than enough. And um, I was just taken to every cookout, <laughs> every, every party, you know, and how I, one staple of so many of those cookouts and particularly within black culture is just this like insistence on you, you are going to take home some food with you, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to take, there's going to be enough for you to take home. Uh, and you don't have to worry about the food running out, right? There's abundance here. There, there's more than enough here. And just how that is, it, that is such a part of, just like the economy of of the kingdom of God, you know, mm-hmm. just this yeah. idea of like more than enough mm-hmm. and how we have been, you know, sold this narrative of scarcity, mm-hmm. that there's not enough to go around. Right. And how that forms us. Um, but, um, you know, what you, what you see reflected in this, this story is there's more, there's more than enough. And that, that, like, what is it, what would it look like for us to sort of orient ourselves to the world in that way? And, um, but also how the kingdom of God shows up in a cookout. How, how we, how do we pay attention to that? Yeah. 
Yeah. And that goes back to what we were saying too, is like, you know, as, as poets and as writers, it's, it's, it starts with paying attention. Yeah. It doesn't even start, it doesn't start with writing it. Like writing comes after paying attention and you're yeah. watching and you're seeing, and you're seeing like, I mean, it's just like a, you, you captured it beautifully. And then you, you took something beautiful, you know, from the text and you said, Hey, we're also going to, I'm going to show what it looks like now as well, too. And I don't know. I just think you did a, a fantastic job with, well, that piece and with the entire book in general. But talk more about like about Touch the Earth. Why this book? Why now? And who is it for? Yeah, so. Um, yeah, this this book uh, really comes the title of it comes from the title poem. So I, I wrote that poem first touch the earth. It's which opens the collection and um, just whole idea of it is that in, so in Luke chapter nine, there's a natural turn in the text where um, Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. He's, you know, very clearly, very clearly on a, on a mission, but it becomes more about also like the journey of discipleship and the way following Jesus on the way. So you hear a lot about like, you know, the disciples being engaged in the, in this, this work and this journey with Jesus. So in Luke chapter nine is the first time that Jesus sends out his disciples to put into practice everything that they've been learning. And so I just began to really process like, you know, what what does it look like and feel like and sound like when the stuff, the things that that I've been taught um, about faith and love and life and grief and joy and all of those things, what is it what is it like when those things actually put on flesh? and begin to get into the the dirt of the world and actually touch the earth you know and so um yeah that's that's really what this what this collection is and and so there's a i would say a little bit of a difference between the the first book and the second book is that um the second book has much more of myself in the poems like i, I show up more in them because mm -hmm. i feel like I'm trying to discern what it looks like, what it looks like for me to be on the way on this, yeah. on this journey, you know? And so, um, yeah, that's, it's really what this book is. And so I, I mean, I'd love to, to read the the first poem for you just to even kind of get a sense of, um, what this, you know, what I was trying to get at. Yeah. I want to hear it. Yeah, so this this first poem is called is called Touch the Earth. And um it is I wrote it in reflection on Luke 9, 1 through 2. And um yeah, it's I'm gonna just I'll read it and then we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Bit. Um Touch the Earth. My father says more with his hands than he does with his lips. I cannot recall him sitting me down to teach me about love, but I watched him tend to my mother as cancer spread through her insides. He cried when her breath left her, though he never lectured me about grief. I am still grieving my mother, still gleaning what my father taught me, 
gather it from memory. Let it touch the earth. This sounds like that's one of those poems where you have taken all of you and put it into not as few words as possible, but into the right amount of words for the reader. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, so this poem is, it's about my dad, um, which the book is dedicated to my dad. And um, I, I say in the dedication, um, he he's the, the man who taught me that faith is more than talk. And, mm. you know, he didn't, like, he's still not a person that has a ton of words, right? Um, but the way that he demonstrated and lived out faith in front of me, like, I, I don't think it wasn't until I started to get older that I began to recognize how deeply he was teaching me along the way. Um, mm -hmm. It was my mom was the one who I would sit with and have long conversations with and all that. Um, and my mom taught me plenty, right? As she The first book is dedicated to her. Um, but yeah, I started to reflect on my dad's impact on me and um, in particular, watching him love my mom mm. and specifically the way he loved her through her her sickness um and tended to her as as she was you know on her deathbed right and just watching him love her watching him grieve um and realizing how much he was teaching me about those things without saying a whole bunch of words about them and so that was for me also just it's like part of so 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 much a part of what discipleship is and how Jesus discipled you know those who were following him where it's like yes Jesus sat and taught them but so much of what they learned from Jesus was observing Jesus watching mm -hmm. Jesus um and so that's yeah that's where that came from yeah it's a it's a do as I do kind of thing like yeah. I am and my I sounds like uh we had a very my father feels very similar to your father my mother very mm -hmm. similar to your mother and you yeah. know there there were times where when I was younger, I, I would always want my like, dad, tell me more, say more. And I, I never vocalized that. And I'm sure he would have, but now looking back, he was showing me, mm -hmm. he was showing me and he was showing up and he was showing yeah. me, and he was showing up and he was showing me and my mom. And I like, we say, like, so we just sit and we would talk and we would talk and we talk yeah. and it's a, and it's a beautiful thing. That is a, that is a very beautiful, that was a very powerful poem too. Uh, also you have a, a great reading voice for poetry oh, that's good. It's very different than mine mine is like well here you go and you're just like no you're gonna listen to this like, you're right. I, will. I will no i i really i really enjoy that uh i'm gonna bounce back and i'm gonna i'm gonna share another one of your poems uh but actually i'm gonna have you read it because after hearing you read it you should be the one who reads it uh fish fry it's Ooh. one of the it's the second to last poem yeah. in the book um and it's perfect uh also i love a good fish fry so yes, yes. <laughs> uh, would you would you read that one too i will yeah so this one um is uh called fish fry and it's i wrote i wrote it in reflection on luke 24 39 through 43 which is um it's post-resurrection mm -hmm. and it's 
when uh, Jesus shows up on the shore and has breakfast, a breakfast of yes. fish fried over the fire with his with his disciples. And this poem has has an epigraph, um, a quote from a writer named Nafisa Allen um, in an article that she wrote called Fried Fish is a Fixture in Black American Cuisine. And it says fried fish had always been a fixture in, in our gatherings. This unsung hero of family meals took on new purpose in keeping our bonds strong. Fish fry. Ain't nothing more down to earth touching the dirt than a fish fry. Only the real ones know. I'm talking about aunts with battered hands covered with buttermilk, flour, and cornmeal. Touch those hands and feel the evidence of love. There will be no doubt of how real the love is once that fish touches your lips. Throw on some hot sauce and you'll insist that this is a divine visitation. Big question for you. Mm -hmm. What's your hot sauce of choice? <laughs> I grew so I grew up on Louisiana red. All right. Um, and so uh you know I I enjoy I enjoy that but you know um always I'm always willing to 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 switch it up. Lately honestly I've been a sriracha guy. <laughs> I don't think there's there's not a wrong answer. There's not a wrong There's, there, wrong, there's wrong there's wrong answers to different people but there's no wrong there's yes. no wrong answer here. I'm a Franks guy so I don't know oh, what that Franks. says about Franks me. Um I read this one last night as I was getting ready for bed and I read it like three or four times, which is how, you know, it's a good poem mm. uh, either that, or it's like a really terrible poem and I couldn't figure out, but this is like, oh, this is a really good one. And yeah. you can read it from about, I don't know, a hundred different perspectives and it continues to hit again and again. Mm. Like if I read this, try to read this from where you're sitting, it's beautiful. And if I read this from, like the perspective of one of the disciples it's it's beautiful that that line of touch those hands and feel the evidence yeah. of love yeah um yeah i would say this uh you have a lot to be proud of about this book this is Thank really you. this is really this is really good um never show up to the cookout or slide through the fish fry without some tupperware in hand. it's just all good <laughs> i feel like after reading this and i think you do a great job of this like you feel like I can sit down, like I know you now. And I don't, mm. but like I know you now too. And that's like the hope with my books as well. It's like, I want people to come up to me afterwards and be like, we're friends. Like I know you and you do, yeah. because what you've done with this book is you've taken a part of you, a piece of you and you've handed it over and said like, hey, like I understand like life is heavy, life is hard, life is difficult, but here are some beautiful things and we can mm. wrestle through the heaviness together and we can create mm. bonds and build bridges together. Because you do talk a lot um not you talk about it deeply and overtly but never super directly really about like social justice and the divide mm -hmm. between people yeah but you but you get to it in such a beautiful way that is hopeful honest and inviting mm -hmm. um do you want to say any more about because i know that's a big part of the yeah. book yeah um well I, I mean i think that's such a part of when we talk about you know, the things that the things that Jesus is teaching us, what does it mean for them to come real in the in the, the, the in the stuff of the world? Right. Uh -huh. um, 
it means we have to also like we I love I, I want to I want to talk about the joy right I want to talk about the cookout and the thing but I yeah. also want to talk about you know the the hard stuff the stuff mm-hmm. that 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 does move us toward griefs and moves us toward rage mm-hmm. um both personally and collectively right so um I'm just want to be very like I'm being very honest about like what what have been some of the things that you know, I have had to navigate through as a person, uh, as a black man who's been navigating American life, right? This is my own personal stories, the stories of my family and my people, like they show up in this book. And so, um, and in particular, just like how I've navigated um, those particular things, um, like racism as it's manifested itself in church spaces as well mm-hmm. right that's another part of conversations that we're having i'm having in this book and so um <clears throat> yeah i think it's just i think it's important there's a, a poet by the name of uh june jordan one of the things that she says is she says poetry is a political act right that there is something in poetry that it and when i talk about politics i'm not talking about our, our partisan political system i mean the, the way the way that we the way that we live together socially like the the way that we interact the way that those things are structured um that poetry is in a sense it's it's it, it talks about those things it gets at those things it um maybe not always very directly or overtly mm-hmm. but like in an in an emily dickinson sort of tell all the truth but tell it slant sort of way yeah right um and so yeah, I, I think it's just a, um, an attempt to be honest, you know, with the fullness of who I am and bringing them to to these poems. Yeah. And I'm really I'm really glad that you when you started writing this book, you decided and made the wise choice I say wise choice of bringing your full self and not checking anything at the door, not checking your background, your race, your ideas, your thoughts, your beliefs, because that's when that's when the best books are written. And that's when you can stand up and say, you know, I wrote this. Mm. Let's talk about it. And like I I'm sharing everything openly and honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said it four times on this podcast already, but you did a phenomenal job with the book. Um, before we get out of here, I want to play a game. Uh, <laughs> and I did this last time I had on uh my friend Sean Dietrich, Sean of the South on the podcast, and he's another writer from the South, and he would eat it up about all the, the fish fry and stuff like that. But uh, do you mention Waffle House in the book at all? Just a question. I, I don't think so. I don't think all I right. do. Next book. That's my challenge. All right. This game I want to play to close out the podcast. It's called Finish the Sentence, and I'm yeah. going to start a sentence, and you just finish it, and we'll okay. see where it goes. The first one is The Perfect Breakfast Is. Ooh. Bacon, bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll. It's New York City. (laughs) What do you get to drink? drink? Just an orange juice. Oh, no, coffee. I need a coffee. Yeah. Are you just black coffee or are you cream sugar? I'm a cream sugar person. I can do black, but I prefer cream sugar. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. Next one. Here's what I know about heaven. that it is full overflowing with the presence and love and beauty of God. I'll take that. That was beautiful. All right. When I wake up tomorrow, I'll 
I'll get my girls ready for school. <laughs> so, someone's got to do it. <laughs> someone's right, got to do it. Last one. I don't know much, but I know for certain that. That God is love. Yeah. This was fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out with me for a little while. Do you have, yeah. do you have one last poem you want to share? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll end, uh, I'll end this with this one. Um, this is a poem on the, the resurrection. Um, mm. It's called under the ground. And um, there's a quote before this poem by Dr. Barbara Holmes. And she says, in the beginning, there is darkness. It is the womb out of which we are born. In this state of trusting refuge, the light of divine revelation, which pierces but does not castigate the darkness, may finally be seen. This is a mothering darkness that nurses its offspring. Under the ground. Life is always happening underground. The place light has forsaken. Finite minds cannot take in that the belly of Mother Earth is indeed a womb. Entombed in the soil is the pip of a new Eden. Only the seed that has fallen into the pit can burst through into the morning dew to announce to weeping eyes that a new day has risen. A day in which the voices and stories of women are believed, their word received as good news. And the men have no problem following them and learning how to believe again. What I mean is this. The world has been flipped on its head. Heaven has invaded hell. The spell of death is broken and the doorway opened to a new way of being. It all begins with seeing that the darkness of our world is luminous. And in the humus of life is where we become fully human. Oh, it's good. <laughs> uh, when you do poetry events, do you do poetry events? Yeah, yeah. Do you have people snap or clap? People just, yeah, people do, yeah. People do, yeah. I don't, I, they do. I don't. <laughs> Anytime yeah. I do an event, people will, after the first poem, uh, they don't really know when it's over, so I'll make the motion to clap, and it'll start clapping, and then someone will always be like, aren't we supposed to snap? And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, you you can, but like, no, like, you don't like go to a basketball game and someone dunks and you snap, you clap. So like, you can just clap, yeah, yeah. For, you clap. I would, I would clap for you, but no one likes clapping on a podcast. It's a very good poem. It's very good. <laughs> Thank you. I really, man, I really enjoy it. I, I'm really glad that we had a, a chance to, kind of, to talk about this book and to meet. Um, last thing, where can people find your work? Where can they get the book? Yeah. So um, you can get the book uh, anywhere. Books are sold anywhere you get your books. Um, find me on on instagram is where i spend most of my time um d jackson poetics so um yeah would love to would love to see you connect with you and um yeah thanks for having me on tanner hey anytime really appreciate you drew and i look forward to reading the rest of this book and then hopefully doing an event together one day yeah we'll uh, love it. but anyways man appreciate your time and i'll talk to you soon all right man
Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Make sure you check out the show notes before you go. Go and grab Drew's latest book, Touch the Earth, and follow him on social media. Again, he's full of hope and wisdom, so so check out his work there. Huge thanks to my friend Matt Daring for creating the music for this podcast. Go ahead and visit writtentospeak.com to check out latest blogs. I've been writing a bunch over there. You can grab some books and you can book me for upcoming events. Uh, If you want to see where I'll be in the country, just check out uh, the tab events on writtentospeak.com. I'm Like the title of my first book, (laughs) I'm all over the place. Uh, Or if you just want to send me a message, you can do that from writtentospeak.com as well. And if you would like to support this podcast in the the mission of my work, you can visit patreon.com slash writtentospeak to become a patron. Your monthly donations allow me to continue to spread hope and announce love and have conversations like this one that I had with Drew today. Uh, So you can check that out at patreon.com slash writtentospeak. All right, I have said enough. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening, uh, for tuning in. I really appreciate y'all. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of the Walk a Little Slower podcast. Much love. Mm